Boat Trader, America's largest boating marketplace, offering easy financing and over 100,000 boat listings to choose from. Sell, find, and finance new or used boats on America's largest boating marketplace. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. If you're like me, you spend lots of time pouring over maps, looking at weather data, all in an effort to help predict when and where my best times to hunt will be. It'd be nice if there was a reliable source with all this information in one place. Enter the Spartan Forge app. Unlike some other predictive apps on the market, Spartan Forge was created from military combat intelligence experience tailored for hunters and stands at the nexus of machine learning and white-tailed deer hunting. No more man-made algorithms. This is a predictive model based on real GPS collared deer data, historical and predictive weather, and the next level of mapping imagery, all at my fingertips. I've been using the iOS app this season, and it has replaced all my other mapping tools. Visit SpartanForge.ai and sign up today, or head to your iOS or Android app store. Use the promo code TRUTH to save some money and download it today. Mobile hunters, if you're interested in upping your mobile game, then head to tetherednation.com and check out their saddle gear. There are a few things you can actually buy that will help you become a better deer hunter or give you the freedom to hunt any tree or any situation. This is the reason why I started saddle hunting in the first place and why I use Tethered's gear. I can honestly say that Tethered's saddle gear has changed how I hunt for the better. Big tree, little tree, from the ground, it doesn't matter. I'm untethered by my gear to hunt the best setup for the situation, instead of hunting for a tree that my gear can use. My current core setup consists of the Phantom Saddle, Tethered One Sticks, and the Predator Platform, along with an assortment of their accessories. So if you want to up your mobile game, head over to tetherednation.com. Welcome to the Truth of the Stand Deer Hunting Podcast brought to you by Spartan Forge. I'm your host, Clint Campbell, and you're listening to episode number 320. Today, I'm joined by my buddy, Trey Kearns, to talk about chance meetings and an old warrior down. So stay tuned. What is up, everyone? Happy Wednesday to you. Hope you're doing well. Hope you are feeling fine. Hope you are f- actually feeling better than me. I feel like 10 pounds of sh- stuffed in a five-pound sack. I went to uh, jiu-jitsu training this morning and just took a throttling for a solid hour. But, you know, it's good for the soul, I think. Um, humbling. And what they say is that, you know, uh, you know when you're getting beat, you're, you're learning. Um, when you're getting your ass kicked. So, um, I guess I'm learning a lot, <laughs> I guess is how I would frame it. It's like every day I go in, it's, it's, I'm learning. Don't know. I'm doing a whole lot of teaching, doing a whole lot of learning. But, uh, for most of you guys out there, your season is probably wrapped up as much as it is mine. Um, we do have, I'm special regs unit. So there is just a little bit more time left, but for all intents and purposes, um, things are wrapped for me as well, just with the obligations I have like the next couple weekends and stuff like that. Um, so at this point, you know, I am kind of fully in kind of tinkering with my gear, which is like one of my favorite things to do is kind of tinker around with different setups and what I might change for next year and, and, uh, 
you know, things of that nature. And, you know, the past two seasons, I've not made huge changes. Um, I've, you know, one of the things I kind of played around with was going back and forth, you know, maybe we'll, maybe Greg and I'll do a podcast, uh, Litzinger, maybe we'll do one kind of about this and just stuff that we're changing up for this year. But I, uh, I kind of went back and forth between a ring of steps and a platform this year for my saddle setup. And I did really like the ring of steps, um, for certain, for certain setups. Um, but I don't know, for some reason, like this year, like, so last year I kind of used the ring of steps almost exclusively. And then this year I kind of went back and forth and actually toward the end of the year, I really just kind of ran the, the predator platform pretty much the last, you know, several hunts that I did. Um, I don't know. There's just, there's something about it that I just can't get away from. Like I just feel more comfortable in it. it. For me, it's a little easier to film out of it if I am taking a camera and stuff like that. But the one thing I've always kind of had an issue with is like the, the attachment method. I don't like the the buckles, like just like the normal ones you would have on like a tree stand or whatever. I just don't like those. I mean, but I continue to use it because it's the only thing that I've used that I can kind of cinch down and like really put it in the spot that I want it to be. And especially if I'm trying to set up a camera or something like that, it's like if I, if I'm using like Versa links or, um, Versa straps or whatever, which I have used those in the past and I do like them. They're, they're quiet and, and things of that nature. They're light, don't have any metal, but I can't always necessarily get the platform where I want it. And so what I ended up getting Recently, and I don't work with uh, this fellow at all. It's just he has he makes some cool stuff. Is the Amsteel guy? Um, he has like a USA, uh, I think it's a tree stand and stick attachment kind of setup, um, and it's really kind of cool the way it sets up because it's all Amsteel. There's no metal, you know, included, and it that this particular attachment method allows me to kind of attach it to the tree exactly where I want it, and it doesn't move. And like you just kind of cam lock it over, like you know. Uh, you know, the toe cam kind of method to kind of lock it in, you know, if you, if you need to, but it's the one method I've found that kind of gets it snug and tight to the tree and you can use it for sticks and stuff like that too. And so that was kind of, um, so that was kind of slick. So I was playing with that yesterday a little bit and just kind of shoot my bow in the backyard. And, uh, as soon as hunting season's over, it's like, you already kind of, uh, you already kind of miss it. And I'm already, you know, chomping at the bit to kind of get some scouting in and, and, uh, actually pull all the cameras that I still have out in the timber to see, you know, um, you know, what deer might've made it through the year. Um, and for, for the love of Mike, maybe find a deer that, <laughs> that showed up that I wasn't aware of locally. Cause it, it was a, it was quite a down year for this year, but we're going to just kind of go ahead and get, get on with, uh, with today's show. I do have a couple things to pass on to you guys, especially if you're thinking about gear just in general. Um, the great American outdoor show is coming up. I think it's February 4th through the 12th. I'll actually be there on February 4th. I think that's the opening Saturday. And I will be in the Exodus booth, which is in the archery hall. And additionally, in the archery hall is the tethered booth. And their booth number is 1033. So I'll kind of be uh, bouncing between those two things. Also, our buddies over at uh, Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, the, the Pennsylvania chapter, uh, will have a booth there as well. If you're not familiar with these guys, you can head over to uh, the Backcountry Hunters and Anglers uh dot org slash Pennsylvania. That's the website. You can kind of check out what they got, got going on from a, a PA chapter perspective. But if you don't know who they are, they're kind of this grassroots, you know, organization that's been growing over the last several years. I'm, I find it hard pressed. If you listen to this show, you haven't heard of them um, before. They really, you know, take a hold of, um, you know, not just the organization, but their members, you know, kind of drive the advocacy for public lands and fishing lands and access to waters and, and, and things of that nature. Um, they also kind of speak up for wildlife, hunting heritage. They're big proponents of the Sunday hunting kind of movement in, in Pennsylvania and supporting that, uh, that as well. They'll also have a booth at the Great American Outdoor Show in Harrisburg. They'll be at booth 4707 in the Outfitter Hall. Also on Friday, February 10th, 
they're going to have uh, a gathering. They always like to have a gathering, you know, every year during the Great American Outdoor Show. And they're doing it again this year on February 10th. It's Friday, February 10th. This will be at the Appalachian, or Appalachian, I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, Appalachian Brewing Company after the outdoor show for their, uh, it's their backyard bash uh, with a special guest, uh, BHA president and CEO, Lantani, uh, will be there uh, talking. There's always, it's always good to kind of share beers and share times with uh, some like-minded, um, some like-minded folks, which you will find in this group. So to find out more uh, for the links to the event and the details and RSVPs and things of that nature to let them know that you're interested in coming, uh, check them out on Facebook and Instagram and at the uh, URL that I had, had mentioned previously. So backcountryhunters.org backslash Pennsylvania. Also, before I get out of here, I want to give you guys a heads up. Uh, if you missed it, uh, not sure how you did because I, I posted it and it was all over the place on, on, on social, but our buddies over at Exodus have released uh, pre-orders for their new Exodus uh, rival camera, which is their new kind of budget-friendly cell, uh, cell camera. You're getting the same reliable, hardworking, easy-to-use features that you come to kind of, uh, you know, uh, custom with with Exodus, whether it's the lift or the render or whatever the case is. Over the last year, the, uh, my buddies over at Exodus have been, you know, kind of working behind the scenes, building the next gen of cameras. Um, what one thing that they always do, and they do it, you know, even when you're at the uh, Great American Outdoor Show, if you're talking to them, you know, the conversations you have with them at the booth don't go by the wayside because they're always kind of listening to what consumers and what people have to kind of say uh, in terms of how their products are performing. Um, and how they're, and ultimately how they're delivering and they value that opinion and they kind of take all that into consideration and create their next batch of cameras. And that's really where, uh, this rival, uh, camera, this budget friendly cell camera came from was exactly from that input from customers, you know, and, and from folks that listen to these podcasts, just like you guys. And so the rival is a budget friendly cell camera. It's coming in at a price of $179, uh, and the camera just flat out works, you know, and it's backed, of course, by the Exodus Advantage five-year no BS warranty that you guys have heard me talk about uh, plenty of times on this show. So just to drop a couple of specs for you guys so you kind of know a little bit about the camera before, um, maybe before you see them at the outdoor show or before you check out their YouTube channel and stuff like that with all their information, but it's 0.3-second uh, trigger speed, 70-foot detection distance with adjustable sensitivity, which is nice. Uh, the 30-second photo transmission, adjustable image uh, quality on upload photos, crisp HD images. It's compatible with the SP18 uh, Exodus solar panel. That's something I use for all my cell cameras is a solar panel. And then once again, it has that five-year uh, no BS warranty. The Exodus Rival is officially open for pre-sales. Uh, I think it opened on January 16th. They did a launch uh, video. They did some live streaming. Uh, so you can head to their website now, exodusoutdoorgear.com, and uh, do your pre-order because I think that that is running um, just for a specific period of time and the orders will begin to ship around February 6th. So be sure to use the code launch, uh, L-A-U-N-C-H, and that will save you $30 off each camera while supplies last or until February 14th at midnight is when uh, that sale will end. So head over to exosoutdoorgear.com, promo code launch, and uh, make sure you do that before February 14th. So with that, we're gonna go ahead and jump into today's show. Have my uh, good buddy, Trey Kearns on. It's interesting that Trey and I actually met at the Great American Outdoor Show last year. We kind of tell that story uh, of how we, <laughs> it was kind of a, a funny misunderstanding, if you will, was kind of like our first kind of interaction with uh, with each other. But Trey's from West Virginia. He's a diehard bow hunter and just a hunter in general. And I would just more so classify him as like just a, a great and passionate outdoorsman. Um, you know, I'm always interested in these guys that, um, you know, that yes, hunting or bow hunting is kind of like, you know, uh, the, uh, 
the foundation maybe or the thing that they're really, really interested in. But they're also, you know, Trey's a great fisherman. He travels the fish and fly fish and things of that nature. And so he just has a really interesting perspective on how he spends his time in the outdoors um, and is always aware of the blessings uh, that should be counted anytime he's out there. And he had a hell of a season this year. And so we talk a little bit about uh, some his trip out west and and he uh, absolutely put a slammer old warrior down in West Virginia. So with that, we're going to go ahead and jump into today's show. And as always, thank you all for listening. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Truth from the Stand Deer Hunting Podcast. And today I have on a guy that it's been way too long. It's taken me way too long to have this guy on. We had a uh, an awkward meeting last year and it became friends after this awkward meeting. I have on my buddy Trey Kearns. What's going on, man? Hey, what's going on, buddy? So do you remember the awkward meeting last year? So we were staying, just so people know, we were we were both hanging out with the guys at the Exodus booth in Harrisburg. And we were yeah, both yeah. staying at the at the Exodus house because they run a, they get an Airbnb for like the full two weeks that they're going to be there. And and just people that are coming in to podcast with them or to help them at the booth or whatever, you know, can crash there if they want to. And do you remember the the awkward, I mean, we, we spent the day together in the booth, but like it was like we busted a gut laughing like that night. Do you remember what it was about? I can't, I can't honestly put a number on it, okay, but uh, right. so, refresh my memory. Yeah. So we're, we're getting something to eat and, or, and I don't remember who it was, if it was Cameron or Chad or whoever, but ordered mm-hmm. some, some beers and some food. And I think you and Cameron ran out or you and Cameron ran out to get the pizzas and someone yeah. else brought like some beers in or whatever. I ended up ordering like Chick-fil-A because I didn't realize you guys were leaving to get pizza and you guys came back and I said something about like not being able to smell because I had just gotten over COVID. Like I, I had just passed like the time, like, you know, that I could be like around people again. Like I was like two weeks past, like the day that I was, you know, had, had got it or whatever. And all you heard was like something about Rona. Like, Oh, it's cool, man. I got, you thought I said, Oh, it's cool, man. I got, I got Corona. And you yeah. 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 I, I was standing across the Island there and I kind of looked at you twice. I was like, wait a second. What, what the hell are you doing here? <laughs> You're like, what the hell are you talking about? It's cool. I got, I got the Rona. Like, and, uh, and I was like, no, dude, I was like, I just got over it. Like you were like, okay, but your fit look on your face was hilarious, yeah, dude. Like, All right, man. <laughs> You're like, oh, so that's, it's this kind of party, I guess. Right. You know, a yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, couple, couple beers and some pizza and, and, uh, Chick-fil-A fix all that, I guess. Right. I guess exactly. Man. But how have you been, dude? How's, uh, how things been since uh, we, we haven't really, I mean, we text every once in a while, like Instagram or whatever. Yeah. We haven't really been able to chop it up since, since almost a year ago. So how you been? Yeah, good, man. Good. Uh, staying busy, just, um, you know, had a very enjoyable hunting season and been grinding, uh, even into the last part of season, really didn't get out a whole lot. Uh, just been working a bunch and, um, just staying busy. So nice. You, uh, you gearing up to scoop some sheds here soon here in the not so distant future, man. We'll be, uh, we'll be, yeah, shed def- season will be definitely. Bonus. Yeah. I, uh, some of my cameras have been showing some, some deer dropping and then, um, I've been texting a couple of buddies. We always get up a uh, group together in Southern West Virginia every year. And uh, we go for like two days and camp out and just have a good time. And nice. we uh, were talking, actually talking about that the other day, just trying to plan out when we were going to go and try to get those numbers kind of put together. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. The, uh, I know that Northern piece that I hunt, I know I have a couple of buddies up there and they've been, uh, I mean, they've dropped as early as, man, I want to say even before Christmas, I think some dropped, I got a, a message from a guy that, uh, that lives up there and was like, Hey, found my first, found my first freshie. And he was out, you know, yeah. you know, this was like, you know, before Christmas at some point, I think he was either out scouting or something. And, uh, yeah. 
and I know from, I haven't pulled my cameras. I haven't been up there actually since October into, into that area. And I know last year there was one particular shooter that had, was just trying to keep an eye on to see if he was going to make it through the season or not. And he did. I never saw him again this year. So I don't know if like, like the hard winter last year, like, cause we got a bunch of snow up in that area last year. I don't know if like the winter killed him or what happened, but he never showed again this year, at least any of the deer that I saw on camera, like the frame didn't look to be, none of the frames looked to be him from last year. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, but I know last year, I think when I got a picture of him dropping, it was like, man, as soon as like gun season ended. So it had been like the second week of September, he had dropped his like left side or something like that, which yeah. was like crazy early for, you know, just in general, crazy early. Like I just, I typically never had deer drop that early. Do you get a, do you usually get a crop of them that drop pretty early down, down around you? Yeah, I usually get a few. Uh, and, and honestly, I mean, they're usually pretty consistent, uh, based on you know each deer just annually you just mm -hmm. they're usually pretty close in that time frame unless you know like injury or something like that but usually most of my deer on my home farm and then a couple of the private pieces i have um in west virginia are usually after christmas kind of in that mm -hmm. first two weeks of january ballpark but i've had deer i mean on my home farm i mean i've had deer i had, I had this one deer a couple years ago I and mean, he would relentlessly every year hold at least one side till april <laughs> and it was wow. just like man he he would hold it on there and then like, it was like the velvet was already coming up before, you know, he, <laughs> he was popping it off. So it's like, all right, man, sounds good. Right. Right. That's funny. I know. Uh, I mean, yeah. shed hunting for me is like a, a little bit of a, um, a mixed bag. I always look forward to it. Cause it's just another, you know, a nice reason to kind of get out and do some scouting and, and mess around. Yeah. I love taking the dog. Cause I finally, he found his first shed last year. Um, yeah. which was, which was awesome. So I'm hoping this year, cause I suck at shed hunting. So I've, I've taught him to try to find sheds that way. Hopefully between the two of us, we find like, you know, three or four, <laughs> that's kind of the, that's kind of the plan. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. you know, so I always look for more than anything, man. I don't know. I always just like going out and taking my dog out. Like there's something I've talked to Tony Peterson about this in the past where there's something about, and there's a lot of truth to, you know, what he, what he had mentioned to me. It's like, there's something about taking a dog out in the woods with you. And I find when I take him with me, I scout a lot longer and I cover a lot more miles than when I'm by myself. Yeah. You know, yeah. I don't know. Do you find any truth to that as well? Do you, I mean, do you know? I, I, yeah, I do completely. I mean, I, I started out, you know, my pup, you know, as whenever he was real young and I've kept him with me. And I, I think it, you know, I think it exists also with him just being a great dog with him, just being able to go out there with me. You know, he listens to me. He's been out there with me since, you know, he was a puppy. So it's been pretty cool. Uh, you know, I bought, I got on the gimmick and, you know, bought that, you know, soft antler and mm -hmm. got all that stuff. And, you know, he actually it visually, I don't think, you know, smell is, is that great as far as like he got downwind to one, you know, 50 yards away. I don't think he pick it up, but right. it visually, I mean, he's, he's solid, you know, I, I have yeah. sheds laying around the house and, you know, I'll throw him out in the yard and stuff, but if he sees it, you know, he'll, he'll pick him up and uh, sometimes he'll get to him before I do. But, uh, nice. but yeah, it's, it's always enjoyable going out there and taking him with me. Cause uh, one, it makes me feel better. I don't have to leave him at home and, yeah. and he enjoys it. So yeah, it makes it nice. Yeah. Yeah. Rocky loves, that's his, I always say, I always tell my wife of like, you know, the winter and spring months that I get to go, you know, either just scouting or shed hunting, I take him with me. I'm like, that's his Olympics. Like he lives for that. Like that couple months out yeah. of the years, like is, is, is his jam. And he, he does a pretty good job, like around the yard, you know, finding the shape and stuff like that. And I agree with you. The, the scent is, uh, not as much of a determining factor. I actually had, um, uh, the dog bone, I forget his first, Jeremy, I think is his first name. He owns the dog bone company where he, he's like actually trains gun dogs and bird dogs and shed dogs and blood dogs and stuff like that. Yeah. 
and uh, I've had him on in the past, and he he gave me some pointers for him, and I actually picked up his video and started working with him just on like different kind of <clears throat> training drills he would do with dogs that he was working on and stuff like that. And man, it made a big difference. Like I was surprised how, you know, um, I mean, he's a good dog. He, he listens well, but, and he's a lab. So I know he wants to do those things, but I just, it always kind of shocks me how natural he is at picking it up. Like he just, yeah. you know, he's so smart. Like you show him something once or twice and he's like, he's all over it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, which is, which is nice. Cause you know, it doesn't take me much to kind of get him on, you know, onto a, you know, the shape of the, the shape of the shed and stuff like that. You know, I think early whenever I was working with him, he was fine using his nose. Cause I noticed him using his nose a lot is because he was actually smelling my hand. And so I tried, oh, yeah, yeah, that was the one thing Tony said to me. He was like, you know, he's one thing they'll do in the yard is like, they'll get good at the game, not necessarily finding the shed, but just good, good, good at the game you're playing. He's like, and the other thing is, is he's like, if you're using your bare hand, he's like, he's probably smelling you more so than he's smelling the shed. And I was like, yeah. Oh, I was like, it's a good point. So I started like using <laughs> Yeah. So I started Never using gloves. Yeah. I started using gloves and stuff like that. Like just try to clean my clean some gloves and like use those to throw. Um, yeah. That way he's not picking up my, uh, my scent, but man, you've got a, you've got a lot going on, buddy. You, uh, I, I think I saw you're, uh, you're growing your family at the same time. Is that right? Yeah, man. Yeah. I got a little one coming in April and, uh, super pumped about that. Just, um, I couldn't be excited for my wife and I. So we're just, uh, kind of getting things ready. It's, uh, you know, juggling everything going on at home and then plus you know trying to get the the baby stuff ready to go so and oh, yeah. it's been uh it's been a, a good experience for sure and I, i'm excited for it to get here so and, it, and plus it's perfect time right it's in april it's not deer season <laughs> perfect. so it, it worked out it worked out great <laughs> i know right you're gonna slide that in there right man it's like they timed this up awesome you know it's like that oh val- yeah that valentine's day holiday that's a that's a tricky one for guys man they got to be careful about that yeah. one because it's uh yeah if you, you're right if you do the, the calendar math man you're uh you know you're playing with fire <laughs> a little bit yep. there you yep. know and i told her i said when i married her i said listen here honey i said i'm not gonna be able to have a child anytime during hunting season and that starts in august <laughs> she's like well okay uh that's awesome man but dude you've had a pretty good run the past two years with some really good bucks dude like i was just you know i uh, i knew what you had going on this past year and i knew from i think not this past year but the year prior i think you killed one out west in the dakotas if i'm not mistaken and then you also yeah, killed like yeah. a, a hammer also the same year in, in west virginia if i'm not mistaken right so you've had a pretty good two-year run, and then you killed an elk this year right yeah, yeah. So killed um, two years ago it was the first year Cameron and I went to the Dakotas, and uh, man, what a, what an experience out there! And uh, we, uh, you know, both had really good success out there on um, some uh, public and and some private out there, and uh, we just kind of just pretty much shot in the dark, went out there and scouted our butts off, and just uh, capitalized on that. But it was a great experience, and it's been it's been really fun out there. So we went again this year and, and Cameron absolutely killed it with a awesome deer. And I will admit, I got a little greedy. Uh, the, uh, the, the, the scouting paid off and I, I seen some giants and I held off on some really good deer that I probably should have shot yeah. with only yeah. having a limited amount of time there. I kind of, uh, probably should have pulled the trigger, but Hey, it's okay. We're, uh, we're just enjoying it. So, um, that's right. But yeah, did, did that. And it was, it was a great, great trip out there, man. So, I've been, I've been victim of that, you know, in the, in the past as well. So talk to me a little bit. How do you, how do you kind of manage your expectations when you go, when you go into those kind of limited, limited day hunts, you know what I mean? Cause I know for me, it's like, I'll often go in like 
so I'll have a plan. I'll just kind of say how I do it. And then I'd like to hear how you kind of do it. Cause I screw myself yeah. almost every time I go yeah. in with a plan of like, you know, this is what I'm kind of the experience I'm looking for, you know, and I, and I tell mm -hmm. myself that and I'm like, you know, whatever the caliber of deer it is, you know, and it's never, for me, it's never a giant. It's more of just like representative animal for the area. You know, that's kind of yeah. like usually kind of where I start. Um, and then it's usually, you know, day one or two, you know, Kansas is a good example of this where it's like, man, I might glass like one or two where I'm like, goodness, you know what I mean? And then all of a sudden right, like I, right. I start to get fixated, you know, and then I spend yeah. like the entire yeah. trip chasing a ghost, so to speak, you know what I mean? And like yeah. maybe have some opportunities along the way and whatever the case is, but how do you kind of go about doing that? Cause I think that's one of the hardest things when you travel hunt is just like when you make your plan, stick to your plan and not let, don't be a prisoner of the moment, so to speak. Yeah, I think I guess a couple different parameters as I get older. Um, I guess a couple different parameters fall into place there. The biggest thing for me that really sticks out to me is location on where I'm at. Have I been there before? Right? Mm -hmm. Have I had success there already? Mm -hmm. uh, and and animals play a big factor. And I and you know, I really expanded that this year and learned that just based on. Uh, going out there and, and, and taking an elk in Idaho, you know, I, I think if I had to go to back to Idaho and realize all the effort I put into it, I don't think I would pass. I, I killed a four by four. I, I don't know if I'd pass another four by four until I get to the point where I feel like, you know, I want, I always want to have something better. And we always seen, you know, some giant bulls out there, but I, mm. I, I really don't know, you know, what my thought process is until I get out there and actually realize, okay, is it, you know, obtainable to, to get to that point. Now with, with North Dakota, you know, my thought process there is, you know, I was already out there. Now, if I, you know, for example, went to a different state, uh, Kansas, you know, for example, I, I'm going to draw that tag this year. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, I, I haven't been there. So my expectations, I know the deer caliber are higher, but realistically, you know, what's going to make me happy at the end of the day is what I'm going out there for. Right. Um, and, and North Dakota, you know, I had that success. And, you know, the first year and, you know, I, you know, killed a smaller buck, younger buck, but I, man, I was pumped, you know, we were out there for three days. I was like, I'm, I'm coming out here and, yeah, and having some success, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, dude, especially three, the, three days, like finding, yeah. finding bucks in three yeah, days, yep. you know what I mean? Like, yep. I mean, and then I know in some of those plains, these types of areas, like you can glass and, and find bucks, but like to get within bow range of a buck within to locate, get within bow range and let an arrow fly in three days. Like, come on. You know? Yeah, yeah, and 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 being out there really expanded my hunting. It just not trying to deter the rail here, but just that really expanded my hunting because I, you know, Cameron and I, you know, I always, you know, weigh stuff on Cameron. Cameron weighs stuff on me, and you know, I always seen him hunting from the ground and really expanding his arsenal. And you know, that forced me to kind of do that out there with a limited amount of cover and trees out there. So mm -hmm. you know, being able to do that was, you know, I shot that deer at six yards on the ground. I mean, it was unbelievable, yeah. and. uh and, and, you know, this year going in there, I passed a really good deer, bigger than the one I shot the year prior, but it was just like, I saw what was there. I've killed whitetails in my entire life, just being in, you know, West Virginia. So I had, I guess, a goal that I wanted to achieve being out there. And the deer that I passed on was not my expectations, right. at least last year being out there. And and I held to those and I was just like, I'm, I'm happy either way, but, you know, I wanted you know, I wanted that mature, you know, 140, 150 plus caliber deer out there. And, uh, 
and I was holding out for it. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I you, got close. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's so. the thing. I think that's the hardest part for some folks is that, uh, you know, not feeling a tag, feeling a tag isn't the worst thing ever. You know what right. I mean? Like, yeah. especially if you have like a, a goal in mind or something that you want to achieve, you know, and as long as you frame it the right way, like if your goal is just to fill the tag when you go out there and you don't, well then I understand how someone could be, you know, disappointed in their hunt or whatever. But if you go out there and say, yeah. you know what, I'm looking for this. And my goal is to have like an experience I've not had before. Right. right, if, right. If, you know, and just what, and just kind of appreciate the journey for whatever, whatever happens to kind of unfold. You know, then I think you set yeah. yourself up to have an enjoyable hunt, regardless of like whatever the tag outcome is, you know, especially like, I, I, I don't think, you know, guys that don't do it consistently, like that don't travel a lot. I think sometimes that people don't realize like how hard that is to go somewhere on limited time. You know, even if yeah. you've been to a place, if you don't live there, it's different. Like, especially if you're like hours and hours away, like it's, it's not well, something easy to do. Well, yeah, and perfect example about that that jumps out at me is, you know, Cameron and I went there last year. Mm -hmm. The crop rotation this year was completely different. Yeah. And it changed completely where the deer were. So, yeah, we were there, but it changed everything. And that and that you know, that goes with anything. I mean, look at, you know, people that hunt, you know, public land. I mean, I, I watch some of these guys that just absolutely get after it. And, you know, you see these guys that literally change their tactics based on where the food is every year. Mm -hmm. And I, you know. I see some of them guys just talk about, you know, the mass was here last year. It's not here this year. And mm -hmm. the, that's why the deer aren't here. Yeah. So there's, there's, there's scenarios that you deal with in other States that you can reference back to where you're from. So, right. Right. And like to your point, so that was kind of what my season kind of at least locally held for me. You know, I had, and I've yeah. believed the point, cause I've, I've talked about it before, but I had one encounter with one really good mature deer. It was a, a deer that I knew of and I picked the right date. It's my favorite date to hunt October 18th. And I went into this spot and he showed up and I watched him bed for two hours, you know, at 40 yards. Yeah. And he never, he never got up and walked toward this scrape that I was kind of set up near because he could scent check it from where he was bed. And he just walked, walked out of, walked out of my life. Now that was really right. the only deer that I knew of and all the cameras that I ran. Cause you know, and I've mentioned this before and I've talked to, you know, with Litzinger, Greg Litzinger about it, and a couple of different guys that are kind of localish yep. to me. Like the acorn crop was just kind of, wasn't great for me in my, in my area, right. you know, especially all the places I had scouted, you know, over the past, say two seasons where I was like, all right, I got some really great feed trees in these particular spots come through in September or August and kind of check to see what's holding and what's going to drop. And it was like, literally not a single one of them was holding. Like I was like snake, yeah. eye, snake eyes and it just changed the whole game. So now take that, what you were just talking about, take that to where like, even if you've hunted somewhere before in the past, right? So yeah. say you yeah. hunted in Ohio somewhere in the past that you've found success before or whatever the case, or at least maybe you have familiarity, but that familiarity mm -hmm. is based on an acorn drop. Well, now those acorns didn't drop this year. Like you thought they were going to, well, you're, yeah. you're at ground zero, you know what yeah. I mean? Like it's like, you're starting completely over. Like you have to just go to back to basics of just, okay, if I was a deer, where would I be? Right. You know what I mean? Like, okay, yeah. here's some deer sign. Let's follow that now. Right. It's like you, and if you only have five days, man, it's like, you know, you, sh you should be happy to like, so, like my one buddy, Mike went to Ohio this year for the first time. And he, he kind of ran into that same thing. And at the end of the, at the end of the, as he was getting later in the hunt and he didn't think, you know, it was going to happen or he wasn't going to fill his tag. He was like, man, I just wanted to find deer. He's like, cause I right. was having the hardest time just finding deer period. 
you know, and sometimes that's where you have to start and you have to kind of humble yourself a little bit and say like, all right, the stepping stone now becomes this where I thought it was this it's actually this, you know what I mean? This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Yeah. But yeah. So man, well, it, it sorry, doesn't help either when you have, no, I was just saying it doesn't help either when you have Aaron helper running around the woods with cotton balls putting around your stand. So <laughs> I feel bad. I feel bad for you anyway. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh man, what uh? So I want to I want to go back to that that western hunt, dude, because that was your. F- yeah. I know you've been out west like fishing, because I know you're a big fisherman. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, which I might need to get some pointers from you because fishing is one of those things I want to I, I would love to do. Um, I just don't know that I need another hobby. Like, <laughs> that's the problem with me. The longer the the older I get, the more I get away from fishing and focused on hunting more and finding what's you know more important to me. So yeah, uh, yeah. So, but, uh, so you've yeah. been out west before, but this was your first, you know, your 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 first elk hunt. So I'm like, I'm assuming yeah. it was end of August or what time of year? You, and you said Idaho, right? Yeah, Idaho. Yeah, I drew tag. Yeah. Yeah. So what time of yeah, year? So what part of the year were you out there? Yeah. So we, I think we left right around um, the 17th of September. Okay. Nice. So yep. yeah, I was there. Were you in southern southern Idaho? Um. Yeah. Southeast. Southeast. Okay. Nice. Yep. So were you like, so what was the setup there? Were you truck camping? Were you kind of hiking in camping at like, you know, at the end of a trailhead somewhere? What was that setup like? Yeah. So we, we parked at the, uh, we parked at the trailhead. Um, and then we, it was 6.8 miles, um, to the top of the mountain where we wanted to get to camp mm-hmm. and, uh, packed everything in, um, left some extra food and stuff like that in the truck in case we needed to come down and get it. But we packed in as if we were going to be there for 10 days because mm-hmm. uh, that was that was the camp. So we took everything with us. Um, and uh, once we got up on top, it was about, a, I think it was like two and a half, three hour hike to get up there. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got everything set up and uh, we pretty much got to the point where, you know, Hunter was in that unit before, I think, three or four years before. So he had some familiarity with that. But, okay. you know, like you said, it everything can change from yeah. year to year. So, you know, we, we had a game plan. We wanted to get pretty high up in elevation to the point where we could kind of drop into some different funnels and systems to, you know, get into some different bulls if we needed to, and just really glass a lot for the first couple of days before season came in. Right. Um, so that was kind of the setup that we were initially thinking. And then, you know, we just, once we got up in the morning, we could just disperse off the ridge and kind of go where we needed to go. Right. Now, how roughly, how far would you say, 
because I my setup was similar to that. It wasn't. I think it was like two miles is what it was to get to the top of this particular mountain. Yeah. And then from there, you know, <clears throat> like in the past when I've elk hunted, like it was some long ass walks. Like, yeah. You know, it was pretty usual for us to do. You know, how, I forget how many years ago this was. Whenever I was in Montana, like an average day would have been like eight miles, nine miles. That would be like an average yeah. day. There was one day I think we did fifteen or something like that on that trip. This trip was a lot different because of where we were kind of camped. To where it's like most days we were really only covering probably like six miles. You know what I mean? It was probably like the average. You know, some days it might have been a little bit more, some days it might have been a little bit less. But what was your, what were your hikes like to get into where you were actually going to hunt? Yeah, so we were tracking all that. I think over, I think I, I ended up harvesting on the seventh or eighth day, mm-hmm. and I think we were averaging. I think our total, like our biggest day, was like twenty six or twenty seven miles. But Oof. I think we were averaging somewhere around like 15 to 18 miles a day. Yeah. yeah. And that's where we were. But, but honestly, I mean, we're two young guys and we were just trying to cover as much ground as possible to figure out, you know, where these bulls were. Mm-hmm. We were on bulls every single day. I mean, I missed a really good bull the second morning. Um, drinking your coffee, actually. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I swear. <laughs> I swear. I was drinking your coffee and, and that bull came bugling, screaming up through there and uh, I missed him 62 yards. So, oh man. Uh, but yeah, but yeah, um, it was pretty cool. I mean, uh, that was kind of just being able to cover that much ground. I'm sure some people don't do that, mm-hmm. but I think that was a, a really good reference as far as us being able to get on bulls every day, being able to cover that much ground. Yeah. And I don't think that that's, I, well, that's a lot. I'll, I'll say I'll say that, but I think that people probably you know that live out there and that that's what they do. I'm sure that that's probably pretty familiar. You know, for for me, where I was at, I was in actually northern Idaho, so it was just like big thick timber to where you you really couldn't glass. So a lot of what we were doing was you know my buddy Wilson lives out there, and so he had kind of pre scouted, hung some cameras, and we kind of had an idea where there was some where elk wanted to spend some time, and so it was almost a lot of like still hunting and still hunting through like in or in and around or near like what we thought to be in some that were confirmed bedding areas. And yeah. so, you know, cause man, we were in elk most every day. Um, you could hear them. They might be 30 yards away and you still couldn't see them. It was that dense. And so yeah. it was just so different from whenever I was in Montana. Cause I was in, you know, Southern Montana down near the border of Idaho, the blast time. And it was similar to what you're talking about where it's like, man, we could get up on a Ridge, you know, or a high point and we could just glass and just watch, yeah. you know, elk for multiple days and get a sense of what they wanted to do and how they wanted to move. And then like, okay, we've watched these, this herd for two days. They've done this two or three different days in a row. So now let's go in and see if we can't, you know, pull a bull out of that or whatever. We would know yeah. how many bulls were with them or whatever the case was. Um, so yeah, this year for me was a, 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 a pretty good kick in the pants and quite the learning experience. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, so how did the, uh, so how did, so you, you missed that one. So how did the hunt yeah. actually play out for, for this one? What went down with this, with the one you actually killed? Yeah. So, um, we were trying to think what we did that morning. So we dropped down off the Ridge. So we were towards the later half of the hunt. Um, we started, it was, it was crazy because I've heard like people say, and you know, what people say and what you actually believe are two different things. But people were always saying like, man, like when a bull gets, you know, with a cow, like they're, you know, they're like turkeys. <laughs> they're just like very vocal. They kind of, you know, are always like locked down with that, with that hen or, you know, that, that cow is, is, you know, the reference. Mm-hmm. But, uh, so we were coming off there and this bull, 
the last two days was in the same spot every single night. He would come back to this ridge and bed with this cow in the same spot. And then he would scream the whole night in his bed and uh, just bugle in his bed the whole night. So, hmm. you know, we had we had a game plan. The, the, the day I killed, we had a game plan. So we, I remember this. We went down over the ridge. And Hunter and I were sitting there trying to put a game plan together. I said, listen, I said, because the day before we kind of stayed back and we we're trying to, you know, get them to come to us because we had several other bulls kind of around us. So we were just kind of getting one of them to come to us, but it didn't work out. So mm-hmm. that morning we were just like, let's go, let's go at him. And, it, you know, it's just like, you know, as I was doing this, I was thinking, man, it's like, you know, getting underneath the turkey as it's roost. <laughs> I was just like, right. this is crazy. So, you know, we're, I'm sitting there crawling and stuff and, and trying to get as close as I possibly can. And I think I got to like 80 or 90 yards and there was this, this big tree and it kind of in between us. So I kind of used that as like a shield to, to right. get, you know, up close to him. And he, I could see his tines and he was better with the cow and Hunter was back behind me and he cow called a couple of times and everything. And I was sitting there. And as uh, soon as he stood up, I mean, immediately, as soon as he stood up, he didn't, he didn't waste any time, immediately pushed her right into the timber. And I was like, man, I was, and it was a big six by six. We watched him for two days. We just couldn't close the distance. And I got, right. you know, that close to him, but just couldn't move left or right to get an open, you know, shot. And then he didn't, like I said, he, he busted right her, right her into the timber and was pushing her. So, right. So anyway, so we, we hiked around all day, just trying to figure things out. And, uh, we figured we seen a, a giant bull, the one, I think the, probably the biggest one of the trip down in this like wallow area it was just this overgrown brush with aspens around it's a really beautiful area down there in the bottom and we got down in there and glassed around a little bit and uh and <laughs> i am absolutely horrible on, on using a cow call by the way so anyway <laughs> uh if you it, whenever we get the video edited it's really funny because i mean hunter was trying to teach me how to do this the entire time and i literally thought i was just the best cow caller in the world and i sound like somebody beat me with a <laughs> crowbar while <laughs> so anyway so, beating me with a crowbar know, that's awesome oh man it was bad be so careful you need, to, you need to you need to patent that before phelps comes out with that the beat me with a crowbar cow call you know yeah no kidding but uh yeah so hunter was behind me and you know i was you know a little bit off to kind of his 45 and uh we were cow calling but he was cow calling i was crow calling back and forth and mm. uh and we were just trying to just, and you know, initiate two two cows calling back. But like I said, I had no idea what I was getting into when it came to elk hunting. I was there to shoot something and, and, right, <laughs> and right. figure this out along the way. So right. Hunter was teaching me everything, and uh, and I was just cow calling back and forth with him. And all of a sudden, you know, I look back at Hunter, and I'm like, there's this draw that, like, where Hunter's position, he can see. I mean, straight ahead of him for 300 yards. I mean, it's just this big long stretch. Well, I was kind of off, like I said, to the 45. So I'm like adjacent to that, to that long stretch. So I can't see very far down the gut. And right. I look back at Hunter and he's like got his camera up and like filming. And I'm just like, what is he looking at? So he stopped cow calling. Well, as I turn my head back around, this bull is just coming right down that, that draw. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is going to happen. Right. So I'm sitting there on the ground and uh, I get my stuff ready and I'm a nervous wreck. And I remember, I was range finding them and he was at 65 and I kept, I remember I literally couldn't press my button fast enough on my, on my trigger to get ranges. Cause I was so nervous and I kept going, kept going. <laughs> and he was 55, 55 and then 40. And then when he got to, I think 38 or 35, I went to set my range finder back down and, and I have a pouch for my range finder, but I was so nervous. 
I literally just laid it on top of my bino harness. And when I did that, it was the dumbest thing in the world because when I went to draw, uh, it fell off of my – luckily, I had that uh, stretchy band against it. So it fell off my bino harness. And when I did that, that bull was perfectly at a – or, you know, broadside. And when I right. did that, that bull turned and kind of stepped quartering two. And I was at full draw, and I said, oh, I'm not missing this opportunity. And I sunk it right in front of his front shoulder hmm. uh, at a fr- kind of like a frontal shot right uh, right in front of his front shoulder. And uh, and he ran about, I don't know, 40, 50 yards and stood there hmm. and he he coughed. And then I seen I seen him stagger a little bit and he fell right over. <laughs> you got to be kidding me. <laughs> I mean, I swear right on camera. I mean, fell over Hunter and I were going nuts. We were we were hooting and hollering and screaming and we were just it was unbelievable. It was really uh it was it was probably one of the coolest experiences I've ever had in my life. That's awesome, man. Especially to watch yeah. them to watch them fall because that's you know yeah I mean, the big animals, right? I mean they can they can haul ass for a little ways, you know. Oh yeah, with the yeah. archery equipment and and stuff like that. And so, you know, you must have had a money shot on that. I know that that Montana trip. My buddy and I, we had a, a good bull that was kind of coming right to us. And long story short, is he was calling and he was trying to get one in range for me because he lives in Montana and we had one that was wanting to work and it started working toward us. And he was like, I'm going to run up the side of this Ridge and see if I can't pull him across broadside to you. So you get a, a good shot. When he went to move, yeah. I could see the, the bulls, you know, antlers coming through the timber. And so he couldn't move. And so we basically stood there and we were on a down by a down tree and there was a big limb and I was on the right side and he was on the left side and that bull came head on to us. And we basically yeah. were like, as he's approaching us, I'm like, if he, comes right at us like if he goes your way like shoot him like i don't have a shot toward you like that limbs in my way yeah. where i can't shoot that i can't shoot to my left and well the limb was in his way where he couldn't shoot to the right so we're like whichever way he turns one of us takes the shot you know and that's yeah and uh my buddy shot him he ended up turning what would have been to our left the bull's right and he just center punched him heart shot and he walked 40 yards and just fell over and that was it. Yeah. It's like, it was the craziest yeah. thing. It was like a 26 yard shot, the bull screaming in our face. So, I, I mean, I get what you're saying, man. Like it's crazy to see, I'm curious. So, you know, your first couple encounters with bulls, especially, you know, you saw that big one, even that day, you know, before you killed mm-hmm. the one you killed, you know, and you're listening yeah. to him bugle and stuff like that. Like, what was your, what was your thought for the first time seeing like a real, like a live elk in the wild, like ripping bugles? Hmm. I don't know if you can put a an expression on it. I mean, it's just something that you were you just sit there and you're thankful for just to have the experience. I, you know, Hunter and I sat there a couple nights filling up our waters and stuff with the filters uh, down there in the bottoms, and we were sitting there just watching shooting stars go across, and mm-hmm. we were just having a good conversation, just just about life and just saying like how you know some it's sad some people don't even get to experience this and realize what's out here. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. It's, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I guess that ties back into that whole experience on listening to them elk and um, just it's just an amazing feeling just being able to be out there with them and just understand like this is just I mean, this is public land. I mean, this yeah. is what you know, this is what you want to come out here for and experience. The West is something people need to cherish more. I'm telling you, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more, man. I mean, it's. um in my first trip, I remember, like, I came back a little bit of a changed person. Um, you know, I, yeah. I, I think it's good for people, however you get it, you know, whether it's doing, going out west and hunting or doing hard things, you know, to humble yourself or whatever. But 
you know, for me, it's a nice reminder of like, um, how small the space is that I occupy. Yeah. Maybe like you get into that vast land like that, especially when you get into areas like where you were at, where you could glass for like a long ways. Right. And you can just, you get a sense of just like, I can't even see past what my eyes are capable of seeing in this horizon, but there's so much beyond that. And then to think that like, and this is still just a speck in the grand scheme of things. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? It's just, it's unreal. And then for me, at least like seeing elk, like up close and bugling. Cause that one before my buddy killed, it was at 26 yards and like ripped a bugle right in our face. And it's just like, it went through your chest and oh, it yeah. was just, it was like, I was like, these things are like dinosaurs. I was like, you know what yeah. I mean? That was the only thing I could compare it to. I was like, I've never seen anything like this. They're like dinosaurs. They're real life dinosaurs. No, it, yeah. It's, it's something amazing. I mean, it, and it's, it's a, a physically, it, it, I guess physically it's not, too demanding i mean you can overcome right you can yeah. you know you can get yourself in shape right it mm-hmm. definitely helps but you can always slow the process down yep uh throughout your hiking throughout your you know hauling your meat out that kind of thing but mentally i will be the first to say i mean it was a mental check for me and i i feel like i'm pretty mental mentally strong but i i'm telling you just being out there and the elements going from you know 25 one night in snow and rain and thunder to you know, 70 and it just, I mean, it really is a mental thing out there to make sure that you're just able to mentally check in, recheck yourself after a couple of days and just, you know, set the goal and make sure you're staying on path for what you're wanting to accomplish out there. Yeah, man. Because I mean, it's the weather out there changes at the drop of a hat. That like yeah. is one of the things it's like, cause you're right. Like the physical part of it, you can check that you can either limit how much you're, you're willing to move. Right. And, yep. uh, and then you can, you know, not just like, um, I can only do so many miles. So like you can change that every day just based on how tough the terrain is going to be that you're going to go. It's like, if it's not going to be tough terrain, it's like maybe today I can do nine. If it's going to be really tough terrain, it's like maybe, you know, depending on how in shape you are, you like, might be able to like, Hey, I might only be able to do four today, like whatever it is, right. you know, um, you can, you know, you can make those accommodations, but there ain't a whole lot you can do for mother nature. She's going to do what she's going to no. do. And, and no. you're just going to be along for the ride. And that's, and then yep. you just better have good gear and, and be able to withstand because it, it, she could be, you know, unrelenting in those mountains. But, yeah. Yeah. It, it really was. I told somebody a couple of times and they, you know, they asked me how stories were. And I said, I've never in my life <laughs> ever seen it thundering, snowing, raining, and wind of 50 miles an hour, all in the same process, all at the same time. And I was just like, <laughs> it, it literally, it can happen. It, it's yeah. about 10,000 feet elevation. It doesn't. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. Especially yeah. when you get up there in that elevation, man, that's, that's where it yeah. gets like, it can get Western, yeah. you know, real, real quick. Yeah. Cause things just change and that. And you also have the altitude and stuff to deal with too. You know what I mean? Like yep. that's for some people, that's a real challenge, you know, where. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't experience it. Um, you know, people told me, you know, just, you know, be patient, see, you know, see how that does mm-hmm. make sure you can breathe. All right. But I didn't, I didn't feel it. Maybe you just, I'm, I'm younger. I, like mm-hmm. I said, I, I don't know, but it, you know, maybe I need to go a little bit higher in elevation, but yeah, I think we were right at that, uh, you know, 9,800, yeah. you know, 10,000 right there. So that's kind of where we were when we camped. Now, when we were hunting most places, I think we were somewhere in between, you know, I think I killed my bullet, I think around 8,400. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I mean, I'm familiar, I'm somewhat familiar with the terrain because where I was at in Montana, like I was almost on the border of Idaho, probably not far from where you were at. And that's roughly about the elevation that, that we were at. And you, you could get, you could feel it a little bit, maybe like the first day. Now this was some years ago when I was in Montana, I want to say it was 
I was probably 35, 36 then yeah. maybe. Um, and, uh, and it didn't really bother I me. Mean, I could tell like the first day kind of hiking or whatever, where I was just like, it wasn't like it was hard to breathe, but it was just, I couldn't get, uh, as much air as I was typically used to. Then after like day two, it's like, I was fine. It was, I mean, it was, yeah. it was no issue. You know what I mean? It's like, but it was yeah. just, it wasn't like it was keeping me from doing anything. I could just know, I just noticed it was all. Yeah. But, but yeah, man, that's awesome, dude. I'm glad you had got to experience that trip, dude. Cause that's, uh, I'm looking forward. So I'm not going out West this year. I'm, I have a plan or a road, a Western roadmap, if you will, that should kick yeah. in next year. Um, that f- next year going forward, I should have points to draw a different species in a different state every year in like perpetuity. So, awesome. yeah. So I'm not sure what I'll get to draw next year, but it'll either be, you know, I think my States are Montana. I want to say Wyoming and I want to say Utah, I think are the three states that I'm uh, getting points for. Um, and then it's elk antelope and oh, and Colorado's the other one, Colorado, I'm gaining points for mule deer. So it's elk antelope and mule deer is what I'm getting points in these different states for. So I'll be going somewhere every year. I just don't, I won't know where until, you know, January or February every year. So, right. Well, that's good. I mean, at least you'll be able to have an idea that you know you're going to go somewhere, probably. Yeah, I know I'm going to get on the turnpike and go west at one point. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I tell people when I when I talk to them, I always say, you know, you just you got to be prepared for anything out west because it'll throw anything and everything at you. Uh, right. And I've only been out there, you know, one time hunting, but I, I can certainly see being out there fishing and then you know hunting now. It's just. Yeah. I mean, you just have to be prepared for any possible situation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And a lot of the cool places you want to go to also have grizzly. So that's the other thing to kind of prepare for as well. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, I'm glad we didn't have anywhere we were because that uh, <laughs> the one night we were trying to get back, like I said, we, we camp up on top of this ridge system. Mm-hmm. And then if you, when we start off in the morning, we kind of just hit that ridge and then kind of funnel down to where we wouldn't need to go. And we were working our way back and we had two bulls up on the ridge that we were trying to get back to bugling and uh any long story short is we we ended up not making it we didn't want to bump those bulls out so we literally got up underneath a root bull root ball made a fire and uh camped out there all night and slept with not in our tents we slept on the ground <laughs> cuddled up to each other just like trying to stay warm the whole night. <laughs> oh man that's awesome that dude that's that's the experience yeah. right there man that's killer i can't yeah. say that i've done that that's uh that's yeah and i can't say that i know anybody who has either so yeah. um it was, yeah. it was pretty crazy yeah where we were at was uh there was there's a grizzly population where i was at so it was it was a little weird for i mean i was fine you know with it it was like it is they live here it is what it is you know don't do something don't do anything stupid and nothing stupid should happen type of thing but um it was always just like an extra precaution like they always you know definitely making sure you hang your food and like you know just keep a super clean camp and stuff like that just because they they are in the area you know what i mean so and and they live there and i don't i'm a i'm a visitor you know so it's their place so yeah you know but uh you know all all things went uh went well but i know some of these other places that that I'm getting points for it's like even even more of a dense you know population in some of those areas so you know yeah. we shall see you know we'll uh we'll, we'll make preparations and uh and be as careful as we can and 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 uh <laughs> respect their distance <laughs> yeah you know, it just all adds to the experience right that's, that's so, it man I'd love I, to I remember see being it. fishing a couple of times and oh, seeing yeah. some uh some grizzlies out you know and I was just like okay yep I'm gonna get off the stream and get out of my way yeah yeah you can have this one bud it's all yours <laughs> yeah yep nice so man i know uh 
you know, I, I know you live in, you're, you're in West Virginia, right? And yep. uh, I know this past year, if I'm not mistaken, you were kind of diving more into, uh, into public land this year, right? Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to uh, take a dive into that and um, played with it a little bit, just inquiring, walked around a little bit, but I uh, really wanted to get into just figuring out public land. I've talked to, you know, Chad and uh, Cameron a little bit about it. And like I said, this year, I really dove into it full board uh, about this time last year and started really scouting and putting some boots on the ground and, uh, you know, just trying to figure it out. So, right. and my cameras are still there. I need to go get them. Right. So. Nice. What, uh, so yeah. what, what intrigued you about it? Like, what was the, uh, what was the, I guess the launching point of like, Hey, you know, I'm going to, I want to just kind of, you know, take this exploration. Yeah. Well, I guess it came to the point where I've been hunting private my entire life. Um, up until really last year, mm-hmm. uh, two years ago, really when I went to North Dakota and, um, you know, being able to just, I guess not have a boundary mm-hmm. on, you know, where you can go. If you bump a deer, who cares, you know, go to the next, you know, get the next one. Yeah. And I guess, I guess that mentality just kind of intrigued me as far as just you know, having a bigger playground to go after and chase animals that I just have a passion for. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so, you know, I kind of just started diving into it. Um, and then I, I kind of went full tilt and, uh, put a bunch of cameras out this year, hunted, I think I hunted, um, public twice this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and just was kind of a learning year for me. I just wanted to, I had one deer that I saw that I wanted to go after mm-hmm. and, uh, and felt like it was a good opportunity, but didn't end up capitalizing on it, but, uh, put a bunch of cameras out, spread them out on areas that I thought were really, really good. And like I said, I got a bunch that I need to go pull and, and it's going to be, uh, pretty much all day, you know, sit here in front of the computer, run through cameras, figure out what the deer were doing this year, and then uh, and then kind of put a game plan together for next year and give me a better idea of you know where I need to go. Nice. So what's what's that terrain look like there? I mean, I'm I'm somewhat familiar just because I've I've hunted, you know, in uh, close to southern West Virginia. I guess I'll I'll, I'll say yeah, yeah. Um, but just for people out there that are listening that maybe you know don't have a good frame of reference of what that might look like, what's the terrain and stuff look like in that in that particular area area? Yeah, you you got big elevation changes. I mean, you got bottoms, uh, you got a bunch of ridge systems that kind of funnel into those bottoms. You got saddles, um, and it's just it's just a lot of topography change. Uh, you got some benches and stuff that kind of wrap around. You got you know properties that have been, uh, you know, whether it's been you know strip mined, whether it's been you know timbered before by the by the state. I mean, you just you got a bunch of different things that kind of play into factor. But I like hunting. I guess I grew up here, so I like hunting topography. I like being able to, you know, bounce around, really find out, you know, and funnel those deer into a certain area. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, it's just steep terrain. Right. Or right. now those ridge tops. What I'm familiar with in that general kind of region is just like those ridge tops are almost more like spine backs to where they're not real wide. They're in, and a lot of times they're getting traveled at night. Is that similar terrain there? Are they spine backs, or do you have, or in that area, do you have more? you know, wider kind of, I guess, ridge tops, if you will. No, you're, you're, you're right. The, they're more spine. I mean, you, you'll get some wider ridge systems, but most of them are pretty much just, I mean, straight up and straight down on the other side. I mean, right. that's, that's normally how it is, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it makes it interesting. I mean, you don't see a whole lot of deer bedding on there. They're usually on the faces, but, mm-hmm. uh, 
you know, it, it makes it nice for, you know, being able to kind of figure out which side they're going to be on based on the wind direction and that kind of thing. Yeah. What was crazy to me in hunting that type of topography in, in that region was just, you know, conventional wisdom would tell me, you know, deer are, you know, they like the path of least resistance. Right. And so like mm-hmm. you find like the low kind of saddle areas or whatever, that they can get up over one ridge over to the next or whatever the case was, but man, I don't know how many times I've either had trail cameras or saw it while I was in a, in a tree of deer, just putting it in a four low and like ripping right up over the top of those steep ass ridges. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Like that, it, it, it yep. I, mean, I, I know some will do it, but like it happened way more frequently than I had than I would have had, uh, would have imagined. And that was yeah. one thing that like I had to kind of take into consideration where I was like, man, especially those mature deer, it seemed like they were no stranger to just kind of ripping right up over the top. And they weren't necessarily looking for the easy path through from one ridge system to the next, especially when you were getting into that, like late October, early November kind of time frame. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I've seen some, I've seen some deer just absolutely just haul it up one side and down the other, and they just don't even blink twice about it. No. It takes <laughs> takes me 30 minutes to get down to one side. <laughs> I know, I know, man, because some of that stuff is steep, dude. I mean, some of that stuff's like you, you basically yeah. grab tree to tree and slide down. You know what I mean? Like yep. there's been some yep. some places. But uh, so, dude, I know this past year, man, you uh, you killed an absolute warrior of a uh, of a buck. Um, in West Virginia. I mean, that thing, I'm looking at the picture now, dude, that the neck on that thing is just ridiculous in the bottom. It's just a big body deer. So it sounded like, at least from what I saw, like on your post and stuff that you actually, you had some familiarity with this deer before you, you know, before this hunt. Yeah. So we, we had pictures of this deer, um, a couple of years prior and it, and it acquired some type of injury to some sort whether it was hit by a car or shot in the chest something was going on because it was throwing some funky horns but we knew this deer was mature just i mean based on the body size and just how it carried itself and i never seen i'm not once until the day i shot it i never seen it out of the tree stand once Hmm. ever and uh i think my buddy dalton seen it um you know one time and uh i think it was last year the year before and he passed on it just like i said it was done in some funky horns but this year we got pictures of this summer real tall tight rack and uh we were you know watching it and everything we're like well maybe we'll shoot it this year it was throwing kind of a a cool tall rack and it kind of a normal rack for for once in its life and mm-hmm. uh, anyway so yeah so anyway it, it uh ended up playing out and uh got a chance at getting a crack at him. I saw him. I knew instantly what deer it was. And I thought, right. Holy crap. Like finally for once I get to see this deer. So, so how long, how many years did you have him on? How many years did you have him on camera? 2019. 2019. So, right. So this would have been three was the years. First year. right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And so, so your buddies had seen him from the tree. You've never seen him from the tree. Like how, like where were they seeing him versus like where you were setting up and and not seeing him? Like, how was he continuing to to skirt your, like, what was his, I guess, since you had three years of data on him, like, what was your thinking? Like, how was he moving? I guess is what I'm asking. Yes. So I kind of knew where he was, um, like general area. area? Is that what you're. Yeah. But yeah, but I wasn't necessarily chasing him because he didn't have like a, there was way bigger deer that I was chasing. So I was just like, you know what I mean? So I was just like, well, I'm not really worried about him. If I see him, I see him. But mm-hmm. you know, if, if he shows up, he shows up. I wasn't really focused on him. But um, but anyway, so based on where my buddy seen him, it was kind of to the east of me, probably 
uh, I don't know, two, 300 yards. And uh, I believe he was bedded kind of in between us is kind of where he was based on the general direction he came from all the time and mm-hmm. just how thick that what area was down there um, in that bottom. So I, I'm pretty sure he was kind of bedded in this big thicket. Mm-hmm. And uh, he just worked that entire thicket back and forth down through there. And uh, there were several big deer in that area. But, um, yeah, that, that day, you know, I, I kind of went down in there. I was either after him or another deer that we had on camera pretty frequently. And uh, it was just a crappy, cloudy November day that I love, and uh, mm-hmm. it, it worked out. It worked out great. So, so what, what was your setup for him? Like, we, so you were going in either after him or one other one other deer, you know? And what date? Yep. What date was this? This was like November. I'm trying to. I think it was the second week. I think. Yeah, uh, November fourteenth is when the post was. So it was some. Yeah, so I think it was the thirteenth. Thirteenth. Okay, so it's November thirteenth. Yeah. So we're getting a little later in the well, about the time they start, you know, the big ones start making mistakes at that point, right? Yeah, like, yeah. So, yeah. So they, he he or another deer, whoever, laid down a a really good scrape, kind of right in that general area, and we had a permanent lock on down at the very bottom of this this trail. And um, anyway, the the wind I hunted it prior to that, like two weeks before, and uh, the wind was not very good for that that lock on so i hung a stand uh or I, I, actually, I didn't hang a stand i sat in my saddle like right off of that that um scrape that was like i mean it was like seven yards below mm-hmm. me and it was just kind of in that perfect little area right there but the wind that day when i went after him was uh you know not good for that saddle spot so i just i i hiked in there and i sat in there the uh i i was prepared for a whole day set because i I knew it was supposed to be gloomy and then the storm was rolling in around like 10 o'clock and it was supposed to dump it till, you know, from like 10 to two mm-hmm. and my dad and, and, and Dalton were down there with me and, um, you know, they, they went in and got their bellies full and probably had a couple of beers, honestly. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I was sitting there and I was like, you know what, I'm going to hold out here. I, I really just want some rain stops that, uh, something's going to get up on its feet. And, mm-hmm. uh, anyway, so I sat in that lock on and, kind of three three funnels kind of come to one point there right in front of us there okay. and uh we uh we have a giant like gravity feeder that kind of sits like right off of there and then mm-hmm. there's a like that scrape was there's a bunch of scrapes coming down those roads that where they were funneling into that one section mm-hmm. well we get we get pictures of them coming to kind of that general area coming to grab food out of the protein feeder all the time we're like right. okay well this deer's got to be kind of in this general area and uh, we're sitting there, and or I was sitting there, and you know, I, I was going to get down, and my dad and them were like, "We're going in," and I was like, "I'm not walking because it's a hike to get back. It's like on the backside of the property. It's actually absolutely horrible access in and out." But Are you serious? I was like, "I'm just yeah." So I was just like, "I'm going to go in and sit and not move all day." And the wind was good walking in. Like I was like, "Well, I have a general idea where he's at. The wind's not going to be blowing down to where he's at when I come in." So I was like, "I think I'll be okay." So. I, you know, like I said, I got in there, got in there quiet, seen a couple deer that morning. And, uh, you know, at, I think 10 o'clock, it started pouring rain down, like I thought. And I looked at my watch and I think it was like one thirty-two. And, uh, my dad and Dalton said they were getting ready to head back to get in the stand. And I remember it being around two and the rain was kind of slacking off a little bit. And I look up and, uh, he is coming down the road, right, right down to me. And, uh, he gets to about, Oh, 30 yards and he's facing me. And, um, 
I was like, well, it's either going to be a chip shot or he's going to bust out of here. And of course, you know, being any mature deer he was, he was sitting there nosing the whole way down through there trying to get my wind. And Mm -hmm. the wind was swirling a little bit with that rain stopping. So it was kind of picking up a little bit and he caught my wind and uh, he knew something was up. So I kind of sat there real still and he was looking, trying to find me. And, um, and I knew when he turned, I was going to try to draw and shoot him as he was turning broadside, but I thought he might've stopped and kind of just as he was in a rotation, he turned all the way back around and he didn't, he, he turned immediately 180 degrees, started walking back up the road. Hmm. Well, I was, I went full draw when he turned. And when he did that, I was counting his steps and I was like, okay, I know he's at 30 roughly. I was like, and I was counting his steps and say, like, okay, he's, and he was right roughly at about, you know, 40, 42 yards is what I was thinking. And, I, uh, I knew I shoot a lot and I take, I take pride in shooting a lot to make sure I can make this shot. So I knew if I grunted at him with my mouth, I knew he could probably turn a little bit and he was not scared enough that where he was going to run, I thought he would just kind of be like, what was that? So he turned enough just slightly when I grunted that I thought, okay, if I put it right in front of his, you know, hind leg that had come out as opposing shoulder, that's how hard he was quartered. So I was like, I was thinking about that. And uh, I said, I'm going to do it. So whenever I grunted at him, he turned and I sat there and I, I sunk my 40 pin on him and I, I punched it and uh, and I hit him good right where I was thinking. And I was like, holy crap, like he took out of like scold a dog. And I it was like a bunch of brush up to the top left. And anyway, so I, I texted my dad and Dalton and ragged on them a little bit and told him, you know, <laughs> you should have stayed, you should have stayed the stand. I told you guys. Right. And uh they were like, you're the luckiest guy ever. And I'm like, no, I was like, I just, I knew it was going to happen. So anyway, so <clears throat> I backed out because I wanted my dad and, you know, Dalton to continue hunting. And I kind of sat there for a little bit and, uh, and I was like, well, I'll just come back in the morning. I didn't see him fall. It was getting dark at that point. I shot him at, you know, two, three o'clock, but I was letting Dalton and hunt. So I just kind of worked my way back to the, to the side by side. And, mm. um, anyway, so we come back in the morning and, I was, you know, kind of all shaken up. I was like, man, I was like, I hope we find this deer. Like, you know, he ran out of there pretty hard and I didn't go look too far and didn't see a whole lot of blood. And, uh, heck he, he didn't go 50 yards up in there and fell over. <laughs> and I was just like, well, that was an easy track job. So. Right. But, uh, but yeah, it was just cool. Just the whole experience, just being able to get that buck off there with him being old and mature. And then, um, you know, having confidence in the, just the shot placement and being able to execute that shot. Cause it's, it's not. It's never a shot I've ever taken, and it was. I don't know if I want to take another shot like that if I don't have to. So right, right. That's yeah. awesome, man. That's a that's a good shot, dude. You know what I mean? Especially if he just ran up there and dumped over at fifty yards anyway, man. You know what I mean? Like that's. Yeah. I mean, you can't ask for anything. Uh, anything more than that? How would uh? How would you think that he is? I mean, did you send his teeth in or anything like that to get aged? I have them. I was going to probably send them in. Um, if I had to guess, I would say the deer is between six and eight years old. Right. Cause I was going to say you have three years of trail camera pictures of him. You know? Right. And he was, he was a big body deer three years ago, you know, or right. 2019. I mean, he was, you saw him and you're like, dear Lord, <laughs> that deer don't have any horns to match him. Right. Uh, <laughs> but, but, uh, but yeah, he had something going on, you know, the closer we got up to him, he had scars all over his neck and his chest. Like, hmm. I mean, and not just a, you know, a tine or anything, it was a significant, hmm. uh, scarring on his chest, but, uh, you know, to add to that story, you know, we, we got him back and started skinning him out and, uh, he had like, I don't know if it was gangrene, you know, oh, but it, he had green stuff all in his 
like muscles and, and right. meat and the meat. And as soon as we cut them open, the meat smelled absolutely horrible. Oh, wow. And it, it was cold. It was cold that night. I mean, it was right. 20 something degrees. So I wasn't worried about leaving them over. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it smelled horrible. You know, we looked at it and we were like, ah, I don't know about it. Like, so anyway, it could have been gangrene from the infection, but the more I, I was trying to educate myself, read up on it, but I think gangrene usually sets in pretty quickly after an injury. It doesn't like linger. Right. Um, but I, I read something in the EHD was, you know, sometimes happening, you know, we had it a couple of years ago. They said it EHD sometimes could turn meat, oh, wow. uh, sour do some type of thing to to meat so i read that before but anyway hmm. but, but something was going on but the meat was was no good so oh, dang man that stinks man yeah that's the lot. worst part there <laughs> yeah yeah i know right it's always nice to have a freezer full you know what i mean but uh it's a killer yeah. story though man i mean he's he's a hell of a buck i just i think it's so cool whenever people have an opportunity to kind of know a deer you know for a couple years or whatever and yeah and be able to uh be able to hunt him there's one particular deer that I've watched now for two years um, and it's on, it's in the piece that I've been kind of learning over the past, you know, two seasons and he made it through this year again. And I'll send yeah. you some videos of him when we're done here, some trail camera videos of him. Cause he's, he's a hammer. And uh, if I find, I, I honestly don't care if I find a single shed this year, but if I do find a shed, I'm, I'm hoping it's one of his because he's yeah. just, he's a, he's a brute. And uh, I try not to go in and, into a season like trying to hunt a particular deer. I, I usually like to have like, Oh, there's three, four, maybe five deer in this particular area that I'd be happy to shoot any one of them, you know, type of thing. Otherwise yeah. I start to drive myself a little crazy obsessing over, over one, you know, over one particular deer that doesn't want to, doesn't yeah. want to play the game with me the way I want to play it. You know what I mean? Yep. So cool, man. Well, uh, I want to be sensitive to your time here, dude. And, uh, I appreciate you coming on, but I, I have one last question for you before I let you get out of here. If you're ready. Yep. All right, the basketball question, dude. You're building a basketball team, a three-person basketball team. They have to fill tags, whitetail, antlered whitetail tags, any state. doesn't matter. It could be wherever. These people could be dead or alive. You have to pick three people to fill tags, and your life depends on it. Who are you picking? Mm, you can know them or not know them. They could be famous, not famous. They could be the guy down the street. They could be alive. They could be no longer with us it's you know your team it can be anybody you want who are those three people okay all right i'm gonna go a little bit unorthodox here because everybody always says you know and, and respect to those guys Andy may right. jake bush those guys they're you know elite above their you know their class and they, they they're great on what they do but i'm gonna go with a uh, couple people that you know i think personally that i've i've hunted with and i just think are outstanding hunters um i'm gonna go with Hunter LeMasters, mm -hmm. which he's the guy I hunted with in, in uh, Idaho. Mm -hmm. uh, Cameron Durr from mm -hmm. Exodus. I, I, I've, I've been around Cameron a lot. He's not hunted, you know, very long in his entire life. But, man, he's he's Dude, absorbed he just... a lot of information from a lot of people. And he, he absolutely just learns and listens and doesn't doesn't take anybody's advice uh, for granted. So, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so those guys there. And then, uh, you know, I'm going to go with um, – I would say uh, my good buddy Dalton Michael. He's he's a good hunter. So I say those uh, those three guys right there are absolute uh, 
killers and I would, I would bet money on them to kill just about anywhere in the, in the country. Nice, man. Well, buddy, I appreciate you coming on and, uh, I'm hoping this year might be the year that I make it to West Virginia. If I do, I will, uh, I will keep you posted and I hope. Hey, I think Aaron's coming down. So you, you need to tag along with him and come down this year. So nice. Yeah, I know he, we, he and I keep, uh, we keep talking about it and I've, I've talked about it with, with Josh Elderton, he and I have talked about it. I'm like, I just need to make yep. it happen one of these one of these years and get down there. Um, so this might be the uh, uh, might be the year. If it is, I will certainly let you know, man. And then I'm hoping I see you at the uh, at Harrisburg. Are you gonna be there? Yeah, I'm gonna come up the uh, later half of the uh, week that uh, my wife's off work. I'm gonna come up there, so I will uh, be sure to see you, buddy. All right, sounds good, man. Well, uh, I appreciate you coming on, dude. Uh, before I let you go, buddy, let let everyone know uh, that's listening where they can find out more about you, where they can follow along. And I know you got some stuff going on with uh, some some land sales too. Uh, wait till property, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, you can follow me at uh, Trey underscore Kearns on Instagram, or uh, we have a little hunting page called the Release. Um, and then, uh, also, you know, I'm a whitetail properties, real estate agent here in West Virginia. So, uh, just trade tray at whitetailproperties.com. Um, but yeah, I appreciate it, Clint and, uh, look forward to our conversation. All right, folks, that is a wrap for today's show. I'd like to thank all of you for listening. And if you haven't yet, please head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and be sure to subscribe to the podcast in hell. While you're at it, head over to YouTube and give us a sub there as well. I'd be super appreciative if you do those couple things for me. Before I shut this thing down, I need to give a big shout out to our partners who continue to help us make this podcast possible. Spartan Forge, Tethered, Exodus Outdoor Gear, and Genesee Beer. And until next time, we'll see y'all. All right, gang, the new Truth merch is in stock at truthfromthestand.com and on YouTube below any of the Truth From The Stand videos. I've got some new hats, beanies, t-shirts, long sleeve t-shirts, and sweatshirts. There's even a new do hard shit hat for those of us who like to embrace microdosing adversity. So head to truthfromthestand.com and check out the new gear and use the code TRUTH, T-R-U-T-H, and save yourself some cash on the new gear. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern, presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV.